Welcome to another episode of the Beck Lover Podcast, where you might learn a thing or two about life. There's no doubt in my mind that the number one story that everyone's paying attention to, that everyone is talking about, every single post you see on social media is about what's happening between the Israelis and the Palestinians in the Middle East. Today we're going to talk a little bit about what's happened since October 7th, and have we come that much closer to World War III? There's been a lot of interesting developments, a lot of different countries and moving pieces, and I'm going to try to break it down as best as I can, because at the end of the day, nobody really knows what the hell is going to happen, and these next few months are going to be very, very interesting and very, very scary. As the conflict continues, the death toll continues to mount, uh, especially in Gaza, where they have surpassed over 5,000 deaths since the bombardment by Israel has begun. And it seems that the humanitarian uh, situation there has really spiraled out of control. There's a lot of conflicting reports. However, what we seem to be seeing online and social media is the suffering of the Gazans, the Palestinians that live in the Gaza Strip, where the population breakdown is... Uh, Almost half children live in that strip. So we're going to kind of cover a little bit about that. And uh, I want to refresh everyone's memory about the Geneva Conventions. And we'll talk about that towards the end of this episode. What's going to happen to the world that we live in? So many places are poised for conflict. We have the Middle East spiraling out of control. We have Russia and Ukraine still fighting with some reports stating that the death toll in Russia is well over a couple hundred thousand of their soldiers. We have places like Kosovo, which just had a skirmish with Serbia because terrorists came over the Serbian border and killed a police officer on the Kosovo side of that border. There's a lot of hot spots just really set up and ready to flare uh, out of control. And... Could this lead us to nuclear war? China's starting to act up too. There's a lot going on, guys, and I'm going to cover some of this on this episode. If you haven't checked out my content, check out my YouTube channel. You can also get my podcast on every single platform you can think of. We are broadcasting through Spotify, but you can check us out on anywhere that podcasts are available. We also provide video episodes for all of our podcasts, so if you like to watch and see some of the cool images and videos that we put up, I suggest you do that. Check out the YouTube channel. Check out all my links. Follow on Instagram at BeckLoverNYC. That's B-E-K-LoverNYC. Or you could go to BeKLover.com and get all the links there. In any event, we're going to start off now with some of the news here. Reported by the NPR, Israel-Hamas war. Gaza officials say more than 5,000 people have been killed. Hospitals face dire shortages. Israeli airstrikes continue to pound Gaza as the Hamas-ruled territory awaits the start of an expected ground offensive. Now remember, there's already 5,000 people dead, and they haven't even begun the ground invasion into the Gaza territory. From what I've seen in imagery, they're just building up, um, getting their hard artillery, their tanks, their soldiers uh, ready to cross over that border which will escalate this situation dramatically. So we got 5,000 people dead already, just being bombed from the skies relentlessly, 
and one of the dense, most densely populated areas in the entire world. We have a population that I'd like to give you a breakdown on because I think it's important. We have a breakdown of the Gaza Strip, the demographics here, uh, as reported by Wikipedia. In 2010, approximately 1.6 million people lived in Gaza. Almost 1 million of them UN-registered refugees, okay? Refugees from where? Other parts of what are today called Israel. You can go back and read the history yourselves. The majority descended from refugees who were driven from or left their homes during the 1948 Arab-Israeli War. The Strip's population has continued to increase since that time, mainly due to a total fertility rate, which peaked at about 8.3 children per woman in 1991. This fell to 4.4 children per woman in 2013, which is still among the highest in the world. So they have like the highest children-bearing population in the world. In a ranking by total fertility, this places Gaza 34th of the 224 regions. This leads to the Gaza Strip having an unusually high proportion of children in the population. I want to repeat that again. I'm not here to get into who's right or who's wrong or whose land it should be or who should be where because the world really created this, this mess and didn't deal and didn't set up an everlasting solution to this. I'm not here to tell you who's right or who's wrong on this episode. All I'm here to tell you are the facts. We have 43.5% of the population being 14 or younger, okay, compared to the world average of 28. So their average population is half the age of the, of the world's average. The only countries with a lower median age are countries in Africa, such as Uganda, where it's 15. So what you need to understand is that this is an extremely child-rich environment. Now, for those of you that have been seeing the stuff on social media, I had to take a break. Okay, I just couldn't do it. Okay, I couldn't, I couldn't look at the pictures anymore. I just couldn't. Okay? I cried these last few days. I cried seeing videos of fathers crying over their children's bodies, mothers, children crying for their mothers. I didn't see a whole lot of militants dead in those videos. And all I've seen was the children. And I can't get their images out of my mind. And it makes me sick to my stomach. It makes me sad. Now, I understand we had a horrible situation happen to the Israelis when Hamas crossed the border and killed civilians and kidnapped them, and that is a violation of Geneva Conventions. But Israel is also violating the Geneva Conventions. It seems like the rule of the world and the way things work only apply to certain people when the Western powers want to use it to prosecute people. But it doesn't seem that we hold ourselves to that standard. And these are the hypocrisies, I think, that have enraged a lot of youth. Again, I'm not getting into... <clears throat> on this episode of who should be there. I think everyone should be there. I'm sick and tired of these borders. We're all human beings. And the way things have been happening, you know, in the last hundred years, you would think as we've evolved, as we become more educated, as we can kind of see what, what goes on in the world that we live in. We've never been more connected than now. You would have never seen the images coming out of Gaza as quickly as you did 20 years ago, 30 years ago. When the Kosovo War was going on and people were losing their families and I lost my family and the Bosnian War, 
you know, first of all, you didn't have phones, cell phones, you didn't have cameras, you didn't have internet connected the way it is today. And to get these images almost instantly, to kind of see and feel what it's like to be on the ground, well, you don't even need the foreign press anymore because citizens can just film and upload videos. I mean, we live in such a crazy time in the world where you would think in the world that we're connected in today, technology being where it is, that people would have more compassion and more understanding and we'd be more civilized than our ancestors were, but it doesn't appear to be so. And we've all seen movies of World War One and World War Two and horrible things that have happened around the world. And to think that we would even allow or entertain something like that to even happen again in this world. But the problem is most people don't have knowledge. We're very ignorant. We don't know much. We might see a few pictures. We don't question the source. We don't question who owns the agency or the media that's reporting these figures. And during a time of conflict, you're going to have propaganda. I don't care who you are. And to sit here and think that we don't have it here in this country and we don't try to prop ourselves up like we're the good guys always and we've made no mistakes would be a lie and not true to history. That we've started wars based on false pretenses like weapons of mass destruction, destruction in Iraq never were found. A million dead Iraqis. I guess we just say, I'm sorry, guys, you know, a million of you dead, like, you know, sorry. We didn't find them. We thought they were there. And for me, what I'm feeling out of this, and I say this to my Israeli friends, because I do feel for you and what happened in that attack, and that you still have hostages inside Gaza, is the analogy of, I understand you want to go after the bad guys, that's assuming you've done nothing wrong throughout history. You haven't done anything bad to these people, which I think if we dug a little deeper, we'd see that you've done some things there. Let's be fair. Um, would be the analogy of a hostage negotiator going in and, and killing all the hostages. You know, because they like to use this analogy, we're going to take our Hamas, but they're using civilians as human shields. They're using civilians as human shields. So that would be like, God forbid, I'm in a bank heist and I'm just a regular guy at the bank and I'm going to make a deposit and all of a sudden a bank robber comes in and goes, everybody get down, you're being held hostage. Now me, in that situation, kind of knowing how law enforcement SWAT teams work here in America, I would say the last person I have to worry about killing me or blowing me up with a bomb is going to be the people on the outside of that bank trying to get me out of it. So if the Israeli government does recognize that these people are civilians, non-combatants, that are being used as human shields, that Hamas is using them as human shields, that would be the analogy of those, that SWAT team coming into the bank that I'm being held hostage in and just blowing up the whole fucking bank. We got the bad guy, but we fucking, you know, you guys all died collateral damage. Because that's how I'm seeing this. Whether you agree with Israel's policy and what they've done, and how they came into statehood, and how they got their land, and blah, blah, blah. I'm not here for that debate. Let's just, let's just debate about the things that I think everyone can agree on. If they're using the civilian population as human shields, that doesn't give you the right to just blow up the whole fucking civilian population. Sorry. That's why people are angry. That's why there's millions and millions of people protesting all the world. There was massive protest here 
in, over the weekend in New York City and in Chicago and all over. I mean, people fighting, getting arrested. And what I want to avoid is this conflict spilling and carrying over and being brought here to America where most people coexist together, where Jews and Arabs have lived side by side in New York City for a long time. And I'm starting to see what happens over there is affecting our lives here in America. Because America, what we have done and what we allow to be done with our tax money, where it all goes, what we support, doesn't really perpetrate us as a nation that's trying to be peaceful and spread peace and democracy across the world. I think the last 20 years has proven that. So people are getting tired of it. People are tired of this culture of war, that all we do is fight, 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 blow people up, invade countries, overthrow their leaders like we did in Iran, which is why we have the Islamic regime in there that now supposedly we got to go fight even though we're the reason they came into power that's like you creating your own problem so i just want to remind people i'm not here to get into that on this episode i'm here to tell you there's a ton of civilians in that tiny ass strip they're being bombarded day and night and when we look at some of the stats i got a hard time swallowing that pill and just saying, well, I guess they got to get you know revenge. Like, how much revenge is enough? Now, some would argue Israel needs to feel safe, and they got to take everything out. I understand that, and I understand that there's going to be collateral damage. But I don't believe in collateral damage when it comes to human life. And you are the more powerful country, and you are the ones with a super. You're a superpower. You should. You could have used this opportunity to so, show some restraint. And the whole world would have sided with you. But the way you responded, I think that the tide is turning against you. Definitely what I'm seeing in the streets. I don't think I've ever seen a bigger backlash on Israel for the way it responded. And that's where I always get into two rights don't make, two wrongs don't make a right. Yes, what they did is wrong. Yes, what they did is evil. Yes, it's against the Geneva Conventions. Even if they are an occupied people, which they are. To deny that would be to me to lie about everything. And the United Nations could have created two states from the get-go, and they didn't want to, which makes me think they never had the intention of giving them a state ever. So, again, two desperate populations released on each other. World War II ends, the Jews are treated like animals everywhere they were, massacred, let's ship them off to the Palestine mandate under British control and unleash two desperate people on each other will arm one side more than the other, all hell breaks loose, then there's wars back and forth with other countries that felt bad for their Arab cousins in Palestine. The whole shit is a mess. It's been nothing but one big disaster. But again, what we can agree on is the loss of innocent life. Clear violations, in my opinion, of many things that have been agreed upon, supposedly by civilized nations. So they're getting ready. And as they're getting ready, reported by the Eurasian Times, Israel war six Chinese Navy warships stationed in the Middle East amid U.S. Navy's heavy presence in the region. Amid the war between Israel and Hamas militant group in the Gaza Strip, up to six Chinese warships have been operating in the Middle East over the past week, according to the Chinese military, sorry, Ministry of Defense. According to a statement from the Chinese Ministry of Defense, the 44th Naval Escort Task Force has been in regular operations in the region since May. 
Last week, they also conducted a joint exercise with the Omani Navy during a visit to Oman. Following the successful completion of its visit to Oman, the Chinese Naval Escort Task Force arrived at Shuaik Port in Kuwait as scheduled on the morning of October 18. The Chinese Maritime Group embarked on a five-day goodwill visit to Kuwait. As tensions in the region continued to rise, six Chinese vessels operating in Middle Eastern waters became increasingly significant. The news of Chinese warships in the region comes when the United States is ramping up its presence there, because we've also sent warships to bolster Israel's power. Following the attack by Hamas on Israel on October 7, the U.S. dispatched its most advanced carrier, the USS Gerald R. Ford, and its associated battle group to the eastern Mediterranean. The Dwight D. Eisenhower carrier strike group is en route to the region. The Pentagon recently announced the deployment of an additional command ship, the USS Mount Whitney, to the eastern Mediterranean. On October 19, the USS Kearney and Arleigh Burke-class guided missile destroyers successfully intercepted and neutralized multiple Houthi missiles and unmanned aerial vehicles in the Red Sea. Interceptions of the Houthi launches by the U.S. are exceptionally uncommon, which adds to the significance of this incident, especially considering the escalating tensions in Israel. It looks like everything is set perfectly for just the wrong thing to happen, and a hall breaks loose. Reported by the nationalreview.com, the mistake of its life, Netanyahu vows to cripple Hezbollah if the terror group invades. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu cautioned the Iranian-backed terrorist group Hezbollah against invading Israel and further widening the Jewish state's ongoing war with Hamas, vowing that such a decision would be met with overwhelming retaliation. If Hezbollah were to cross the border from Lebanon into Israel, it would make the mistake of its life. We will cripple it with a force it cannot even imagine. And the consequences for it and the Lebanese state will be devastating. Israel's leaders said while addressing soldiers in northern Israel on Sunday. Hamas earlier this month perpetrated a brutal massacre in Israel, killing over 1,400 civilians, including women and children, some of whom were tortured, raped, maimed, burned alive, as reported by the Israeli government. More than 200 Israelis were dragged back into Gaza, where they're being held hostage. Again, getting past their defenses and a $4 billion wall that had sensors and radars and patrolled guards and drones, and it's a miracle how they pulled this off. Timesofisrael.com, IDF says it has hit 20 Hezbollah cells since the start of the war. The IDF spokesperson, Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari, says the military has carried out strikes to eliminate 20 Hezbollah cells in southern Lebanon since the start of the war. The Iran-backed Hezbollah terror group has been carrying out daily missile attacks from Lebanon against IDF positions in towns in northern Israel since the Israel-Hamas war began on October 7th. So they've already struck inside Lebanon. So technically, Lebanon's already in a state of war. They can say whatever they want. They hit a couple of things. Maybe Lebanon's not officially declaring that, but it sounds like it's already spilled over the border. Let me refresh your memories that Israel and Lebanon did have a, a war. Some consider it was not successful for Israel. Israel says that they were successful. Many people saw that war as a, a, a victory for, for Hezbollah. I don't know. I can't say I'm an expert on that, but you can go research the Israel-Lebanon War of 2006, come up to your own conclusions. How would 
Israel handle a battle on two fronts, the Gaza Strip and Hezbollah, and maybe other people from all the countries go to Lebanon. and Who the hell knows what's happening as we speak? All I know is I feel like the momentum is swifting, shifting heavily in the public's opinion of the way Israel handled the aftermath of this. And like I have said from day one, two wrongs don't make a right. Pentagon says it will hold Iran responsible for attacks on U.S. troops. The U.S. has ordered additional forces to the Middle East to protect personnel there. The Defense Department ratcheted up its rhetoric against Iran on Monday. This is reported by Political.com. It will hold Tehran ultimately responsible for a spate of recent drone and rocket attacks on American troops in the Middle East. By virtue of the fact that they are supported by Iran, we will ultimately hold Iran responsible. What does that mean, ultimately? Does that mean we're going to hit them too and invade them? It just seems that everything is pointing towards a much broader conflict. China's not on our side. And if people are mad about China and the fact that nothing's made in America anymore, then I implore you to go watch the speech given by Bill Clinton when he allowed them into the World Trade Organization. When we turned them into a superpower because we allowed corporate greed and lobby, lobbying, you know the lobbyist where the leader doesn't do what's best for the people but what's best for their pocket because they have a lobby that sits there and seduces them like prostitutes and who can pay the higher rate to vote a certain way, not that it was in the interest of the American public because we're all serfs in this corporate illusion. That's who's running shit, in my opinion. So, yeah, looks like war. You know, war is great business, by the way. The weapons, the parts, the chips. Then you got the aftermath, if there is one. But we got a lot of nuclear powers having proxy wars. We're fighting for Ukraine against Russia. And we're fighting Israel against pretty much whoever's against them, which clearly they want Iran, and Iran wants them. And whoever backs Iran, we know Iran and Russia are strong. So if this did go into World War III, it would be America and Israel, European countries, versus basically NATO, versus Russia, Iran. I'd have to say China would probably help them, whether it would be directly or indirectly with weapons and supplies, which means they might cut us off. And we all saw what happened during the pandemic. I mean, we are in the middle of what could be the worst thing our generation has ever seen. I thought 9-11 was bad because I was there and I saw it and it was horrible. But if World War III starts, your kids will be going to war or jail because if they impose a draft, which means my son's life is at risk, to go fight in a war that doesn't benefit us as Americans at all. Zero. We haven't benefited from any of these conflicts. Our nation's on the brink. Our dollar is weak. And I find it hard to believe that when you have the BRICS forming, and for those of you who don't know what BRICS is, BRICS is this new currency that is a, created by Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. So if they've already aligned financially and they're trying to create a way around the U.S. dollar, and they're doing a really good job, by the way, they're doing a great job of building this other currency 
to circumvent the U.S. dollar and trade, which would weaken America and our economy detrimentally, probably catastrophically. And it would happen suddenly and overnight. And our banks and everything would go to hell. Everything would shut off financially, I think. And I think this is going to be the nail in that coffin, which is maybe why we need a war, a big war to maintain control of the empire, the U.S. dollar, the petrodollar. So if Russia and India and China are already on that, I mean, wouldn't they all basically? Because India is like, 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 you know, in the middle. They go back and forth. They play both sides. Truth of the matter is they're running out of resources themselves. They have problems with water. All these countries are close to each other. So we live in a scary time. Also, Hamas did release hostages, I guess, as a good gesture, trying to show them that, A, they're alive, and B, that, you know, basically, however you act now is what's going to happen with the rest of them. I guess is the message they're showing Israel by, by releasing two of them. <clears throat> now, we all were told globally that they told them to go to the south, go to the south of Gaza, you're going to be safe. And that has not been the case. Gaza teenager reported by Reuters sees family killed after seeking safety in the south. 18-year-old says identified bodies of family in the morgue. They betrayed us and bombed us. Family fled Gaza City for south seeking safety. Some aid is getting in, but some of the estimates for, you know, the humanitarian crisis, you know, because they did a siege, no electricity, no food, no water, clear violation of Geneva Conventions. Israel, you're supposed to show us why you're better. You're supposed to show us that you're better than the savages you're fighting. That's what everyone's paying attention to. Like, this was an opportunity to really make your case to the world that these people are bad, we're not as bad as they are. But I think people are finding a harder and harder time to have sympathy for the Israeli people and the government because of the actions of the Israeli military in Gaza over the last two weeks. Again, people get mad. They watch these episodes. They listen. Beck, I hated the way you responded to Palestine. I hate the way you responded to Israel. Both sides are mad at me. Well, I got a newsflash for you. I'm going to tell you what I think and what I feel. I'm not an expert. There is no right or wrong here because no matter what I say, one group gets mad. We try to be as fair and as unbiased as we can. I don't think it is fair what happened to the Palestinian people. They did live there. They were the majority. They did have a max exodus after World War II. The world did help create and prop up the state of Israel. America did send billions of dollars to them. And the Palestinians were basically put into two zones that are basically, like they, people like to call them, open-air prisons. How and why and do they deserve to be there? And the wars, again, guys, this is such a complicated conflict with so many moving parts and pieces. I have said publicly, I blame the world for this disaster. And once they already had their flare-ups in the past where they fought each other, they should have made two states right down the middle with the holy sites being neutral for the whole world since the three world religions all have some claim to those sites. And this probably would have been the fairest way from the get-go, but we're way past that now. Seems like both sides want to wipe Israel from the river to the sea and then Israel wants to bomb them out of existence. 
pretty clear to see that both sides, no one wants to compromise anymore. And I think a lot of innocent women and children are about to die. And men. So things are just really getting out of control and sad. And I just think that it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. Some of the estimates say that at least 2,200 to 2,500 children are out of the 5,000 that are killed. Is that supposed to give us sympathy or make us feel bad or make us, like, the images online are damaging to Israel's, you know, image. And I just want to remind them of that and that people are paying attention to you. And this is the time to show that you have honor and that you're not, you know, just bombing shit out of existence. And mosques have been hit. And hospitals, you know, again, both sides denying and claiming. The truth of the matter is, when this invasion begins, I think it's going to get really out of control. A lot of people have died already. 5,000 killed already. Most of them are civilians. Most. So from a death perspective, I mean, you got your revenge. Why can't the world make both sides have a ceasefire, send in monitors, peacekeepers, they give over the hostages, and then we take it from there. But I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what to say. All I know is I can't take the images anymore. I'm praying for everyone, civilian, in Israel, in Palestine, the hostages that were taken, the children that are being blown up every two seconds, the people that are on the brink of starving and dying of thirst, the hospitals that have no supplies. This is just no way for humanity to act. But I'll also say, how many of you were active like this when 24 million people were almost starving to death in Yemen and so many other conflicts? And let's not forget China. Two million people in concentration camps and we said never again. Was never again for anyone else? Where is never again? Yet we all buy our stuff. You know? We don't care that our things may have been made by literally slaves. The Uyghurs. We won't forget them either. And if people of the world feel so strongly about what's going on in Palestine and Israel then we must feel like this for every place on earth and we must stand united to bring a ceasefire. And I think the only thing we can agree on is there needs to be a ceasefire. Too many people are dying. Too many children are dying. And that is what we need right now, a ceasefire. Not sending more ships, sending more shit, getting ready to look like we're about to start World War III. We don't need any more war. The American people don't need any more war. The American people, I think I speak for the majority of us, are tired of our country fighting all over the world. We want our boys brought home. We want to focus on our own infrastructure. We're sending trillions of dollars to other countries to help destroy other countries while our countries fall on apart. While i am got potholes that blow up my tires every couple of seconds. While our infrastructure is collapsing. While Flint, Michigan still doesn't have clean drinking water. 
And I can go on and on and on and on. And I think that this emotion is also adding fuel to people that just want this war over with. The American people are tired. We're tired of unconditional support to every country and every conflict that maybe we don't even agree with. Maybe it's time the American people get to vote when we go to war and when we don't. Maybe those assholes on Capitol Hill are not the answer. Maybe those assholes should create some amendments where we get to vote if we want to send the money, if we want to get involved in a war. Since it's our women, sons, daughters, and children that go fight these battles so we can leave the Taliban armed to the teeth with our own fucking weapons, which will probably trickle down to any terrorist group that you guys claim you're going to fight. It makes no fucking sense. We're tired of your bullshit. This is Beck Lover. Check you out on the next pod. Peace in the Middle East. All human life is valid, sacred, protected by God. I'm praying for peace in the Middle East. I'm praying for a resolution to this 75-year conflict. I'm praying that the stronger superpower here shows some more restraint and does what's right because the world is watching you. Regardless of what happened to you, and we understand what happened to you, and it was horrific, and we condemn it. But that doesn't give you the right to blow up 3,000 kids, which is going to be a lot more the way things have been going already. I'm begging you guys, please, show some restraint. Make sure if you're going after a military target, there's no kids in there, there's no children in there. Otherwise, start the ground invasion and do that. But this indiscriminate bombing with jets? Nah. Too many children have died already. Go in already. Go after those bad guys. Somebody wants to fight you and shoot at you, then do what you got to do. You're looking for your hostages. Okay, I get it. But just blowing up buildings in the most densely populated, one of the most densely populated places in the world, I can't get behind that. I'm sorry, I can't. I just can't. Too many innocent people have died already. I want peace. I want people to survive. I want children and women out of there. And shame on the Arab nations. The border closed, Egypt keeping it. And I understand some of their logic behind that, but let the women and the children out. Let the women and the kids out. And whoever wants to stay and fight, I'm all for that. You want to fight, fight. But the women and children, please, can we get them out of there? This is Beck Lover. This is the Beck Lover Podcast. Check me out next episode. See you next time. Beck Lover. Beck Lover. Beck Lover.